You can't offer for one and not for all. What an absolute joke. Yet again, travel agents who sell seats on airlines and are dealing with thousands of refunds miss out. The travel industry reacted with fury this week at the revelation that the $1.2 billion aviation and tourism support package announced last week by the government includes ongoing JobKeeper support for about 7,500 stood-down Qantas workers who will continue to receive payments of $500 a week until international borders open. There's not a pot of gold in sight for the rest of the industry, but it certainly seems that Alan Joyce has the luck of the Irish. That's one of the biggest stories this week, but it's all part of the ongoing industry roller coaster. So let's climb on and check out all the highs and lows from the last seven days. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper, and this is News on the Fly. A big thank you to our reenactor Jess Smith for her dramatic reading of some of the Facebook comments which flooded our page within moments of us sending out breaking news on this major development. The industry is up in arms, with some even calling for a mass march on Canberra. So Bruce, after months of lobbying and pleading our case in Canberra, does this decision to pay JobKeeper to Qantas mean that there is no hope for ongoing payments for the rest of the industry? Yeah, look, I'm still reeling at this announcement, which, as you know, you know, we come to report, record the podcast, it's only happened in the last hour or so. Look, part of me wants to believe that it's good news. Surely the government can't think that this is going to go down well, not just in the travel industry, but with the wider population. You know, it seems so unfair. And so maybe that does mean that other businesses that can't trade because of the closure of international borders might get JobKeeper extended too. But, you know, it's just been announced to quite a staff. We need to know really soon what's going to happen because people are making decisions right now. And so where is all this lobbying at? This week we've reported a few times on meetings between AFTRA and other officials. What are the chances that the government might change its mind and switch things away from the $130 million grants program extension that they announced last week? Unfortunately, as has been the problem all along, we just don't know. It's my understanding that there's a meeting in Canberra tomorrow with Tourism Minister Dan Tian and bunch of, you know, lobby groups after Cato, etc., who've been talking to the government about travel and tourism. And that was supposed to sort of be the final decision or to thrash out the, the last little details of this grant program. Now, I'm hoping that they will now come fully armed with outrage and just some ammunition to explain that just like those aviation workers who are stood down, the travel industry cannot operate while international borders are closed. Uh, the governments have effectively made what we all do illegal. And so really, if the aviation is getting bailed out, the travel industry needs it as well. Mm, it's certainly going to be an interesting meeting, that's for sure. And until this latest revelation, it seemed to be all about that second stage of the grants program, where what's going to happen appears to be about as clear as mud. Bruce, do you have any clarity on when we'll know more? Yes, everyone is well aware of the extreme urgency of the situation, but I, I don't want to burst everyone's bubble, but I, I do think the reality is that anyone who was counting on a continuation of JobKeeper for the industry has been disappointed and will continue to be disappointed, notwithstanding what Qantas is getting. We've definitely got a plan with expectations that nothing more is going to be coming apart from this $130 million grants program, which they're saying is a repeat of the previous one. JobKeeper has been a great lifeline, not just for travel, but for many businesses. But obviously, the government's also aware that it's a bit of a disincentive for some people to get off their backside, and so the scheme's coming to an end. Now, look, that definitely doesn't apply in travel. We just can't do anything else. But as we saw with last week's overall package, where you know there's 800,000 half-price airfares and that sort of thing, we've just got to face the reality that the government just doesn't get outbound travel, and they really don't want to help that much. 
And so if it's not JobKeeper, what is the program going to look like? Yeah, well, there was an update from Cato last Friday afternoon, um, and that's sort of the, really the only indication we've had so far. But basically, it looks like it uh, is planned to be just a repeat of the first program, but with some tweaks to make it fairer. Uh, as our listeners will remember, the, there was all that controversy around the G1 box on business activity statements, uh, whether you reported your TTV or your commission on sales. And of course, it's different for a tour operator as opposed to a travel agent. Anyway, they're trying to make it fairer, and part of that is that the initial tweaks seem to indicate that anyone who correctly claimed the first time based on their commission revenue rather than TTV can expect they'll get the same amount again. But if you got $100,000 the first time by claiming based on your TTV, you don't get a second bite of the cherry. Huh. Is that what people were expecting? Well, once again, I think it's a solution that won't please anyone, I suspect. Um, those at the top end, who I'm sure were thrilled to get $100,000 the first time, they miss out. But the payments based on commission are generally much lower, you know, 6000 11000 And as I mentioned in my Travel Bulletin editorial this week, all that's going to do is pay for staff entitlements and redundancies, not keep businesses going. I'm pretty sure all our industry lobbyists are going to be disappointed. I think that they were hoping that based on uh, an estimate of 30,000 industry staff, that's the figure that they've been talking about for a while, and a three-month time horizon, $500 a week for all of them in terms of JobKeeper, then $180 million would help to keep the industry going over a three-month period. When will we know more? I don't know. Um, something else that is being pushed for is a further extension. So they're talking about three months and that maybe after three months we get another extension if borders remain closed. I think the bottom line is that no one should be counting their chickens. It's better to plan for nothing and then we might be pleasantly surprised. But of course, the best surprise would be for a reopening, a smooth rollout of vaccines, you know, permission to cruise and some sort of return to normality. And on the subject of a return to normality, Travel Daily's exclusive weekly consumer spending figures that are done in partnership with News Corp Australia showed some good news this week, with the best performance in more than 12 months as consumer confidence in travel begins to return. Can you run us through the numbers, Bruce? Yeah, look, it sure has been a roller coaster, and this is an example, um, and this is a much better thing to focus on than just you know having a begging bowl out to the government. Things have been grim, and it might not feel like it, but there actually has been a real improvement in consumer sentiment. For example, by all accounts, 2022 cruising and even 2023 is actually selling like hotcakes. You know, people do want to get out there and travel. As our listeners will know, we've been tracking these spending figures for the last year. They're based on credit card spend with major brands. Don't get me wrong, we're still a million miles from recovery, but there are definitely transactions happening, and it's not just about short-term domestic you know, accommodation and flight packages. So while this week the headline figure you know, was really good, underlying it was some really good news in terms of uh, further out bookings, a big jump in across every category, accommodation, cruise, flights, tour operator, travel agent categories. And so we're at about 50% of the spending based on the baseline, which was in uh, March 2019. So half the level sounds bad, but it's heaps better than those early days of the pandemic when you know confidence really got hit and you know some weeks it was down 95%. It's the best result in a year and definitely up a whole 10 points from the previous week. And were the improvements across the board this week? Um, yes, as I said, right across the board. There is last minute accommodation and cheap flights um, and that's definitely constantly improving because the domestic borders are all open. In fact, the budget air category, flights under $350, is now sitting at levels just 15% below the baseline, i.e. it's back to 85% of what it was back in the boom. 
But yes, also longer term stuff. Cruise was up 11 points over the week. So it's now sitting at minus 62, still down more than 60%, but indicates that the bookings are out there. All of this, interestingly, was also reflected in bigger levels of consumer travel advertising. And if you open the papers this weekend, you'll see that uh, the travel supplements uh, escape in news and traveler in uh, Fairfax or Nine Publishing. They're going to be their biggest issues ever uh, since the start of the pandemic. So definitely a lot of demand out there and a lot of suppliers are trying to capture it. Well, that is good news and long may it continue. The Travel Daily weekly recipe feature continues and we need your help. As Easter is soon upon us, this is your last chance to send in chocolate recipes to be featured. Whether they are desserts, savoury dishes, snacks or beverages, submit your chocolate recipes from around the world to chocolate at traveldaily.com.au and keep reading Travel Daily and Travel and Cruise Weekly to see if your recipe gets featured. While the clock is ticking on the upcoming Kimberley cruise season, with a number of expedition operators, including Ponant, Silversea, APT, Aurora and Scenic, poised to operate. But nobody actually has permission yet. And to say the industry is getting a little twitchy is a bit of an understatement. So where are things at in terms of a domestic restart? Yeah, definitely. Um, Twitchy is right. There's less than two months till the start of the traditional Kimberley season. And there's a lot of bookings out there, a lot of uh, fully sold out departures and travel agents definitely looking forward to actually having some bookings that actually depart rather than having to refund them. And look, on the face of it, there's absolutely no reason that these voyages shouldn't be able to operate. You know, there are extensive protocols in place. Coral Expeditions has led the way because they're domestic flagged. Um, they've already done, you know, a number of very safe departures, proving that it can be done. Yeah, I got excited this week when I saw New Zealand-based Island Escape Cruises also announce a Kimberley season. Um, the email said that they'd received a permit to cruise in the Kimberley, and I thought since they're foreign, you know, maybe that's opening the floodgates for everyone, but apparently not. They just fit underneath the cap, um, which limits foreign flag vessels to being the ones that only have 100 passengers or more that are subject to the ban. And so what sort of timing could we expect for a decision? Well, as we seem to keep saying, that's the million-dollar question. We've got that 17th of June deadline for the current human biosecurity emergency period. And, of course, the government has repeatedly noted that um, they can amend the regulations before that. The industry was really waiting on the WA election uh, as a sort of marker of you know when things might be able to move forward. And now that's happened last weekend. Mark McGowan re-elected in an absolute landslide. I'm hoping that might give him the confidence to take a little bit of political risk and allow cruising, but it might not. I think we can all trust that there is so much going on behind the scenes. Uh, It's not just Claire, it's all the cruise lines are in Canberra lobbying. And what we do know is that expedition cruising is seen as a way of paving a way for a wider restart. One of the key issues to look out for, though, is the quarantine of the crew. It's my understanding that there's no political appetite at all to allow crew to quarantine on board. But if it has to be done on shore, then of course, the crew would be taking up spaces that could be filled by these, you know, 40,000 odd Australians who are still reportedly stranded overseas and desperate to come home. It's definitely a political hot potato and it's all about politics. Look, we need to trust our industries from the cruise lines and from Clare and know that they are pushing and pulling every lever possible. And finally, on the subject of restarts, there was some possibly great news today in terms of a Tasman bubble, with reports that the New Zealand government is considering a proposal that could see a two-way Tasman bubble operating within a month's time. 
Bruce, how likely do you think that is? Uh, Yeah, look, this seems to be a pretty reputable report. My suspicion is that in the way these things often happen, the details have been leaked uh, to the newspaper to sort of gauge public reaction in New Zealand. But even the fact that that is happening is good news. And look, it might get the kibosh if there's an outrage from the public. The Ardern government has definitely had a perception that they've got this fortress mentality. So any sort of progress, even the fact that they're talking about it, is a significant breakthrough. Of course, if this happens, the floodgates are going to open. It's only a proposal at the moment. It's going to be hashed out in the New Zealand cabinet room. But definitely, my perception is the Aussie government would be behind it. We've already got a one-way travel bubble. And the fact that all of our domestic borders are now open is also a big point in, in favour of this Green Lane proposal. And do we have any details of how the bubble might work? Is it related to vaccinations? Will people need to be tested and so on and so forth? Yeah, well, they're talking about dividing airports into green zones in New Zealand, which would allow free travel from Australia without quarantine, and then red zone airports where you know, you'd still have to quarantine based on where you've come from. It's also interesting, this is coming on top of a statement by Dan Tian, the tourism minister in Australia earlier this week about a potential arrangement with Singapore. Um, Singapore, obviously, very dependent on international tourism, uh, sorry, international flights, probably more than anywhere else in the world. And so they're doing all sorts of things to try to get things going, including this proposal that people could fly into Singapore and quarantine before traveling to Australia. And so you sort of have this green, you know, free travel area between Singapore and Australia. And that could also help with, you know, for example, cruise ship crew coming in, foreign workers, international students, you know, really good news. And it attracted a lot of headlines. My perception is that it's a bit of a way off yet. Tian was a bit vague about, you know, he sort of said, you know, basically, we're going to discuss this in the next couple of months with my counterparts. And look, if that happens, it's going to be great news. And Let's hope that with all this talk about bubbles and that sort of thing, we won't even need government support. We'll be able to start trading, making profits and paying staff just like we all used to. Well, fingers crossed. I'm very glad that we had something a little more positive to talk about this week. And don't forget that we also have COVID-19 vaccines rolling out across the country. It's going to improve. So let's just keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's it for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support News on the Fly, you can do that by subscribing or following the podcast wherever you listen. To stay up to date throughout the week, be sure to read Travel Daily and Cruise Weekly. And we'll be back next week to wrap it all up with another episode of News on the Fly.